From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 203, and today I'm joined by Chantel Riley. You've seen Chantel on shows like Frankie Drake Mysteries, as well as Winona Earp. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down, uh, not necessarily technically via isolation, because we're in the Cayman Islands, but Chantel is still in, in isolation. I'm still in Paradise Prison, yo. And we're watching Taxi Driver, which I have seen uh, a few times. I'm Jeremy, and with me is... Chantel Riley. And you haven't seen Taxi Driver. I have not. I hear people mention it a lot as like one of the best movies of all time and yada, yada, yada. And I mean, Robert De Niro. So it's like, obviously it's going to be fire. And I've always seen clips, but I'm like, I'm just, I've never just sat down and watched it. So I'm curious and now I have the opportunity. (laughs) So what do you know about Taxi Driver then? I just know, I don't know much. I just know that he's crazy. Do you, know any, do you know any of the other cast? No. Like, I don't awesome. even know who's in it. I'm, oh. I know Just Robert De Niro's in it. He's a taxi driver that may have some anger issues, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the TV guide uh, <laughs> description. There's, I won't say who, but there's someone who has... I want to say it's their... If it's not their film debut in this movie, it's close. And it's like a big actor who this is like one of their very first movies, if not their first, I don't think it was. I'll look that up in between to double confirm when we come back. Okay. Uh, But uh, you'll be like, Oh shit. Um, It's so-and-so. And And what about other Scorsese movies? Have you seen? So, Oh yeah. I've seen, he did, he did, did he do? uh, Seven. Seven is David Fincher. Scarface is uh, Brian De Palma. Okay. So none of those. Because I'm not good with titles. And I'm not That's fair. We won't play that game. Okay, no, no. Don't put me on. <laughs> so what made you... So what... Right after, I swear. So why is it that you haven't seen Taxi Driver? And what made you want to watch it now? So, okay. I guess I just... It's always one of those ones that's like, oh, shoot, I should watch that. But just never get around to sitting down and just watching it you know what it is too i think i really like watching movies in the movie theater so until i'm like super rich and i could have my own home theater <laughs> then maybe i'll watch all these movies but like i like the atmosphere and stuff but i don't know de niro's okay it's, it's de niro so everything he does i think is incredible He's kind of effortless, right? You just watch him. Yeah, and like, you're, not even, you're not even doing anything but you're doing so much i feel like it's just he's just being himself and it's just like in every single role that he plays, no matter how different they are, it just comes so naturally for him. So yeah. I'd be interested to see him 
one of his earlier works. And I haven't watched this in quite a while, so I'm excited to revisit it. Ooh. It'd be good. Be yeah. It. All right. Well, that's a good place to dive in. So uh, let's watch the movie. We'll be right back. All right. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished. We're back, and, folks. What and, a time. I could add that to my watch list. Yeah. Um, you know, really, really delightful rom coms. Yeah. <laughs> so many. <laughs> Jeremy, you know me so well. Big love story. Oh, it was beautiful. It was so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, tell me, all your, tell me, all, I'm, I, I've seen it before, so I'm curious yeah. what your initial thoughts are. So it's so funny because all I, anytime I would see clips of that film, it was with Robert De Niro and that Mohawk. <laughs> And so I'm like, okay, he must be some kind of crazy somebody, first of all, looking like that. But um, so, you know, just following his story and, you know, at the beginning, okay, he's trying to get a job. And then we later learn that he actually has insomnia and can't sleep. I can't even imagine what that might be like, <laughs> not being able to sleep for how many hours. But um was was Jodie Foster who you're trying to tell me? Yeah. Yes. Was she actually 12 when she was in that she film? She was 12. That says she was by no mo- was by no means her first movie or she was like she'd been doing TV for a long time. So I, I was by no means introducing Jodie Foster. I was way off. Uh, but yeah, she was the one I meant like but still she was fucking 12 when she did that. Well, that's but her, crazy. But her her sister was a I think her sister was nineteen with her body double for any of the like not appropriate oh. stuff that you can't ask twelve year olds to do. Yeah, hell no, don't even try it. Absolutely not. Um, but anyways, uh, again, De Niro was just so he's so easy to watch because he just just dives right in, like all like the little isms, like even when he's walking out of the the taxi spot and he like, you know, hits the back of a taxi that passes him by, like just those small natural things that I feel like people would just do on their day-to-day basis or how they walk down the street. And I love watching movies that are shot in New York. <laughs> um, especially that time in New York, so crazy to see New York look the way it did in the and there was a there was a garbage strike going on so that's why there's so much that's why the city right. is particularly filthy i mean it worked though it worked yeah, really exactly. well um so seeing that new york and comparing it to like the new york that i know it's like completely different and what i also love watching with new york films is how just the regular regular day-to-day bystanders that are just living their actual lives act while shooting a film it's like new yorkers don't care they don't give a (laughs) shit they don't they will look right in the camera they don't care like as you're walking you know especially if the cameras you know walking through the crowd and whatever they don't care they're just like okay another movie great like i don't care like it's they're over it they're over it and they all look like and they're all just in their own worlds oh yeah it's great i love watching that stuff um I loved, so I'm, I love fashion. I love clothing. 
And so that's another thing that really caught my eye was the wardrobe, um, especially for Betsy's character. Yeah. Um, Shepherd, she looked beautiful in like that first dress. I think it was like a, it looked like a Diane von, Diane von Furstenberg wrap dress, like her signature wrap dress. I don't know if it is or not, but like her outfits were always on point. Um, so I love that. But just following his story and just watching, I don't want to call it his downfall, because I don't know if I'd call it a, well, I guess it could be a downfall, but just watching his journey of being from, you know, just your typical taxi driver dude to him internally accepting this job or this title of vigilante. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah, I mean, Paul Schrader and and Scorsese, like they're the the purpose of this for Schrader. Anyway, he says he wrote it as like a not a love letter, but like uh, an ode to loneliness. Um, and I think anyone who you know has moved to a major city without any people, you know, understand what it's like to be lonely. I mean, you know, we're all just coming out of this this, or you're still in it, this quarantine. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely, and you know, we, it's a different world now. It's like, we've got zoom. We've got, especially if we have people that we know and love. It's like, but he's got nobody. Like he, he's just spending moment after moment, just in a, a fail. And then just a series of failed attempts to connect with people. Right. And each one just goes hopelessly wrong. You know, he takes Sybil Shepherd out on a date and takes her to a porno movie. Oh just my doesn't... God. I was like, <laughs> cringing at that part. Like, no, he's not going to take her there. Like you got, and then he gets crazy, like angry trying to figure out like why she's not calling him back. It's like, sir. Well, he just, he's, you know, now you would say, well, he's on the spectrum of something. He just has like a social disorder where he just doesn't understand like certain cues people give. Right. And then that's the other thing. Like she's trying to like really kindly explain why that wasn't okay. And he's just like, well, I don't get it. Well, I'll just take it in any movie. I don't care what movie it is. I just took it this oh, one because I thought you'd like it. Yeah, exactly. But the fact that he doesn't have, like, there's something in his brain that doesn't say, maybe that wasn't the movie to take her on. Right. Because he, he said, I see couples go there all the time because he's, you know, he drives around in this taxi cab and, and people, you know, masturbate or, right. you know, have sex in the back of a cab right. and he cleans the semen off. Like it's nothing. And, so it's like, okay, this is regular, regular thing. Yeah, so that's romantic to him. Like two people doing that together in a theater, like that's that's romance. That's a date. A date, because they're together. So it's like, why not? Yeah, but then even like he, like he, he you know, he has a number with, with the secret service agent. Yes. Uh, and then all the way down to eventually, you know, the Jodie Foster character. I really like that scene of the two of them in the cafe. He made her, he kept on calling her and making her show up, meet up with him to rehearse that scene until she was like so bored with it. Oh, really? Which I don't know if that helps the performance. It almost helps the performance in a way where she's just like fucking over it and annoyed with him. Let's just do it kind of thing. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I did read a quick little thing on the movie, just like little behind the scenes stuff where it said that she... Um, really looked up to Robert De Niro and um, he really helped her and like coached her during this film. And even just within her career, like she really looked up to him and stuff as an actor and it's really inspiring. So I felt like I could see that, especially in that scene where it just felt so comfortable, just like this, 
like a big brother looking out for the little sister. Like I just felt like it was such a real conversation between the two of them. Yeah, it's interesting. And there's like and he and he just come off of his Oscar win right before they shot this. Mm-hmm. And of course, the studio, I think Columbia Pictures was it that they paid for. They were hoping that he would come back now and try to renegotiate the contract and get way more money to do the movie. Uh, and that, cause they were, I think they were, there was a, something I read that they were looking for a reason to, to cancel the film. Cause they're like, we think it's bonkers. Scorsese convinced us to do it. We actually think we shouldn't make the movie. And if, and if De Niro comes back with for more money, it's a, an easy way to get out of it. And then right. he didn't, cause he's like, no, I'm going to honor the contract that I set up. It's totally cool. I want to do the movie. And they're like, oh, God damn, we have to do it. <laughs> But there's something fascinating just like looking at it from the lens of today, you know, mm. what is it? 50, almost, not quite, not 50 years later, but like 40, 40 some odd years later, which is insane to think 45 years later, this movie, you know, there's this interesting about his character is this is, and, and we see this so much. I see it anyway, as like a male looking at other males. And I'm sure I'm curious your thoughts on this. of just this idea of like, What's interesting in him, him is like he's this guy who is obsessed with rescuing women who don't actually want or need to be rescued. Right. You know, there's there's nothing. I mean, yes, Jodie Foster's character is a child prostitute, mm-hmm. but she doesn't seem to be trying upset to or, or trying to get out or being beaten by, uh, you know, Harvey Keitel in an amazing wig <laughs> and buff as fuck. Holy Yo, right? Okay. So, okay. like, I don't think you ever see Harvey Keitel in that shape again in a movie. <laughs> I was like, okay, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, not to say that, you know, obviously I'm not trying to advocate child prostitution, but absolutely not. But, he, but, he, but even like, um, you know, he's trying to save Sybil Shepherd from Albert Brooks. Right. You know, and just, but it's just like none of these people. And so, and I, and that's the kind of thing that, you know, I think we're getting away from it, but better this idea that it's like you don't need to advocate for women, they can advocate for themselves. Yes. You know? Yes. And, that, and that's, yeah. And, and standing up and like stopping someone from hurting isn't necessarily being an ally either. It's not, it's not letting, you know, not everyone needs a white knight. No, no. Especially, yes. Especially now, the time that we are in now. Um, you know, of course independent women, 100%. I got it. Um, but it is, and I'll speak for my, myself as a woman, but it is nice to know that I got somebody that'll help me out to do it. You know what I mean? Maybe not as far as he right. <laughs> took it. Um, Cause that's like the total extreme, but you know, knowing that you have your male counterpart that is there, that is watching out for you, that wants to protect you um, from, to me, um, personally speaking, is nice. Like, it's nice to know that I had that backup. Um, it's almost like, you know, when you're, I lived in New York for a couple of years. Um, I lived in Harlem. And some may say it's not the best part of New York and whatever. I mean, the Harlem now is probably completely different than the Harlem then. back in the 70s, obviously. Um, but, you know, I always appreciated when I was coming home from a show, um, late at night, we'd be, done Lion King at like, I wouldn't be getting home to like after 11 sometimes at night, taking the train and walking home, but always knowing that there were people on the street that would be looking out for you. So if I was walking by myself, 
people are always there. Hey, what's up? You good? Have a good night. Like they're, it's like that acknowledgement of we see you, we got you. That's and lovely. I always loved that. And it would always be from men. Um, so I always felt so protected as a woman, um, knowing that I had that, you know what I mean? I'm not expecting you to, you know, come whatever, but just knowing that you're there and you see me and you know, that covering kind of thing was very comforting for me. That's amazing. I would never like, imagine. I would imagine the opposite, you know, the idea of like being terrifying to like travel that late at night. You know, I know even my wife has a story she tells about being like followed in the TTC one night mm-hmm. on her way to a house party when she was in college. Uh, and, and, you know, that's always my vision of, you know, walking around the city at night by yeah. yourself. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could definitely be oh, so- terrifying, but like it was, I don't know, like from, for me, again, this is from my own experiences. I just, you know, you have your regulars that are on the block that look out for you. You know what I mean? Even yeah, if it's yeah, yeah. a simple hello, you don't even know their name, but you know you see them enough for them to greet you good morning or good night, you know? And they're not trying to hassle you or harass or anything like, or even pick you up, like, you know what I mean? It's just like, I see you, I got you, looking out for you kind of thing. So I get that, like that vibe I get, but not to the extent of... <laughs> no, this is an extreme. And it's interesting, yeah. like, there's some, like prevailing theories people have out there is like whether or not he actually dies at the end and all that and all that stuff after is just like what he's thinking about what he's thinking about his actions would do in his dying moments on that couch and it's like he's thinking himself is like oh they're going to honor me as a vigilante and whether whether that actually played out that way or that's all just in his head at the end Mm mm-hmm uh, and that almost makes more sense because it's just like it feels so like he's so delusional and you know in a lot of ways that it's like he would believe that it's like oh it, it'll end up this way if I survived it would end up this way yeah because uh, it's almost harder to believe watching it that he's just like learned so much from this lesson that you know Civil Shepherd gets in the cabin he's just like totally cool with her yeah 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 he wants I, to believe he could be right I definitely got that. The end of the, the ending scene was more of like a dream rather than an actual like reality for me personally. I'm like, there's like you said, I'm like, I can't really imagine him just going back into society, like no problem driving cabs again after he just literally murdered. Yeah, is it? I got that. I think dude, like okay. <laughs> I think he even makes it makes a comment with the show was like yeah i got it on my system or something about getting something out of his system or it's just like that feels like a weird thing to just like be like i'm good now <laughs> right killed a couple dudes it's whatever i'm good now yeah I'm, i got over it <laughs> right it's such a fascinating there was i read somewhere about um when they were casting civil shepherd's character they were looking for a, they kept on saying they're looking for a civil shepherd type, and then civil shepherd's agent called them and said, like, "How about civil shepherd?" <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> so wait, they didn't even ask for her. They just like found oh, they could get someone like her. Maybe they thought she wouldn't do it. You know? Maybe yeah, maybe. That's, you because know, I guess at that time that that was like her time, right? Well, moonlighting hadn't come out yet. Like that's after, no, I guess it was. This was pre yeah, because I'm thinking when moonlighting has to look that up. But uh, it was seventy. 
What did it say? 72? I'm just looking at the series Moonlighting. It might have been on now. 85? No, it was, it was on for a long time. No, it was, it was it's way after this. Yeah, oh. so it was. this is way pre-Moonlighting. So I'm trying to think what she had done. I have to look it up. But anyway, it's just always, I always think it's funny whenever I hear that. I remember like, I remember once Tony Napo said that once too. I don't know if you know Tony, but yeah. he said once, he said a, a breakdown even in Toronto went around saying, hey, we'd love to cast a Tony Napo type. And he's like, I'm right fucking here. Bet. Call my agent. <laughs> that that's when you know you made it, honey. When they're looking for people that are like you. <laughs> yeah, but they say, "Well, but not you." They don't. I don't want you, no, but I, I want like. I want someone that like you because yeah, you. but not you for whatever reason. <laughs> Too expensive. That's so funny. Um, I love that um, Scorsese made his little appearance. <laughs> He's in there twice. He's also, I, I didn't notice. I, time. I couldn't pick it oh, up. Oh, there's a moment really early on the film where he's just like sitting on a street corner and, oh, a, and we okay. just go by him. So it's very, I, I think this is literally the first time I noticed it. Oh my gosh. Now I want to go back and look for it. That's it's, so funny. It's, it's super early in. Um, you wouldn't even notice. Okay. No, you'd notice you see the beard, but uh, it's, it's during like that opening section that's just all diary, all journal entry. It's just somewhere in there. So if you like glaze through the first 10 minutes, you'd probably find it. And then, yeah, then he has this creepy moment where he's just the guy who's like, Did I, t- I didn't tell you to turn it off. Just like, uh, yeah. Oh God. Oh, it's sad. But it does, it's like, everyone has this weird isolated loneliness to it. That it's like, so you didn't find Travis to be like, I don't, cause you, you know, you said you even use the word vigilante. It's like, you didn't find him just to be a creepy fucking dude. Here's when I thought he was a creepy fucking dude. Uh, when he was sitting outside that the um, politicians, whatever, yeah. and he was just, you Base know, camp. drinking his whatever, watching Betsy, I was like, oh, he about to be a creeper. That is so weird. What in the world? That's when I was like, okay, this is a little weird. Is this what this movie's about? Like, what? Stalker, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, stalkerish. Like, and then he went inside. I'm like, you are brave, sir. But then the way that she kind of just like welcomed it, I was like, okay, she's obviously very comfortable with this. Or fascinated by him. Yeah. Yeah, she's very curious. So so that that makes me curious too, because you said, what's this movie about? What 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 were you thinking as you're going through the paces? Because it doesn't necessarily have like any kind of a traditional story arc. No. So what were you thinking as you're watching it, like the, as the movie kind of unfolded before you? Um, I feel like the first half was definitely like, okay, he's obsessed with this woman. Um, is he going to be a stalker situation? And then I was trying to, I was trying to find the correlation between him wanting to kill the politician and Betsy. And I, I couldn't really understand what, his purpose was for wanting to to kill the politician. All I, yeah, I mean, all I can think of during that sequence is that he's just a man with a desperate need to have some kind of a purpose. And I think even later on, when he's writing that letter to um, Iris, he's mm-hmm. there's something to that effect where he says, I now know what my purpose is. It was to like, I don't think he says protect you, but to free you or something like that. Right. I guess I was trying to figure out, okay, because I knew the whole Iris connection. She was trying to, he was trying to save her from 
the pimp and just like the whole world. But I was like, was he trying to save Betsy from Politician Man? I was trying, I think that's where it kind of got. I don't know. Yeah. He was just obsessed with her because she's cute and pretty and didn't want to get with her. Yeah, I mean his 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 train of thought is not overly clear as terms of what it, what it's all about. But even like when he goes to like stop Irish, you can understand him like shooting uh, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, there where he does that just based on like their their interactions they had before. But just walking through the place and just randomly shooting like shooting that guy the first coming out of the John where he shoots his fingers off. Well, I got that was crazy. Oh, just all those moments. It's just like now you're just on a rampage for who. And even when he gets into Iris's room, she's like, "Please, like, don't do it. Like, don't shoot." And then he just does it point blank, and then realizes he's out of ammo to shoot himself. Right. Right in front of her. Sir, yikes! It was funny actually how when he did shoot Homeboy's hand, but then earlier on there was the reference to that. How I guess um, whoever the other dude is that was working with Betsy how he no it was a Betsy that mentioned it how the mafia shoots them like like that or shoots their hand off I think they mentioned that and then her trying to figure why like match oh, yeah. yeah and so he's like oh he's probably some you know Italian mafia guy because they usually shoot their shoot their hand off or something like that so then at the end oh hand off and then it's like literally it was like this finger, this finger, like these fingers left or something. Yeah, I think there's two of them, two or three of them get blown. Yeah, out. it was like weird. It was weird. I was like, oh, okay, that's probably what he meant. <laughs> Seeing that part. It's interesting. But yeah, um, like I feel like the snap just kind of was like he turns too, just like a. He's like, okay, this is this is what I'm gonna do. I gotta save this girl. Yeah, and he's on a suicide mission because it's like, what is he going to do after this, right? He, like, he has not, he's no ambitions, he has no prospects, he's... Yeah, he's alone, yeah. Barkers. Uh, do you know some of the other uh, actors who uh, were considered for the movie before De Niro? Did I know anyone else? Yeah, so it was... Okay. Paul Schrader wrote it with Jeff Bridges in mind. Oh, Okay. Uh, and, and originally they offered it to Dustin Hoffman. Really? Who turned it down because he thought it was insane and that maybe Scorsese was insane. And then later on was like, I fucked up. Yeah, big, big time. <laughs> Can you imagine? Good job, though. But I don't know. Dustin Hoffman would have been a very different. Yeah. If you look at what he did with like, is it Rizzo? The guy in, in um, Midnight Cowboy? Like that... Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, the pimp, not a pimp, but that character he plays there. Uh, like he would have done something very different than this. Yeah. But interesting. It definitely would have been interesting, but I don't think it would have been as crazy as De Niro's take on it. No, it would have been a more like vocal crazy as opposed to this like silent <laughs> brooding crazy. But the silent brooding, I feel like is more crazy. Yeah. Well, he does even like the uh, the whole who, the stuff that mirror monologue he does is all improvised. Like that was not in the script. So that's and that's him. another thing I was I was thinking while watching this. I'm like, I feel like a lot of um, stuff that De Niro does is is off the bat. Just I'm just gonna jump in and just say whatever the hell I want to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there's something it's 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 interesting. Like just. And it's interesting, I think the line that always gets quoted is the, you talking to me? Like, you know that yeah. quote. But with, I think the more famous 
not more famous, but more relevant one to the movie is the I'm the then he's because then he says I'm the only one here. And it's like, and that's what it's about. It's like that feeling of loneliness and isolation yeah. inside this world. So it's an interesting thing that it's like he's connecting those things internally to this monologue of his character, like trying to pump himself up, I guess. Right. Yes. 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 That gun thing he makes is like the fucking most badass MacGyver. What of... in the world? Piece of shit. <laughs> what the? <laughs> that was good. This is like that, that that whole montage is like the precursor to like all of these like suit up superhero movies. Yeah, yes. It's like, but instead, <laughs> yeah, Travis Pickle was the OG uh, <laughs> superhero suit up. Fuck, like Batman, like making his own invention. Right, all those. Yeah, but it's like that. But later on, but that you you laugh. It's like though we do get those sequences where it's like ching ching ching. But it's like that was Travis Pickle. Put on my shield, my bat, whatever the heck he uses. Terry Pickle did that back in 76. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh my gosh. Uh, what else? De Niro also worked. Have you ever done anything crazy for a role? Like De Niro actually worked as a like taxi driver for a couple of weeks and did like 15 hour shifts to just like to get into the mindset of what the character would be. Just what, kind of what it would do to your mind to probably just drive around. Uh, and he said that I think at the time he still wasn't super recognizable. He says the whole time he did it, one person recognized him. Oh, wow. And he did it for a couple of weeks? I think so. <laughs> Fresh off of his Oscar. He's like, yeah, he was drive cab for a couple of weeks. Okay. I wonder how they must have arranged that because I know the New York taxi system is on like a medallion system. Like there's only so many taxi drivers and you have to have like what's called a medallion, but it's basically a chit, a license. Right. And and they're almost and like when I heard this, uh this was like, I don't know, at least ten years ago. And back then it was like these these medallions, most of them were owned by like the big cab companies now. Like they get in their, they got they bought them off independent contractors. Mm-hmm. And so now that you know, like the equivalent of like Beck Taxi and all those trial right. ones, like buy them up and now it's like to buy one, it's like over a million dollars to get a to get like get, over a million dollars to get like a shitty job like yeah right and those taxi cabs are raggedy no because most of the time it's just the kind of thing like you leave it to your next of kin you know they're just, they stay in the family or you you gift it to somebody uh-huh. you know because it's just like because it is the kind of thing it's almost like how do you unless you're a giant company buying one from somebody and that's their retirement plan how right. are you how are you buying this as someone starting out you're not you know, so eventually it's like all these, all these like personally owned medallions will probably be phased out as yeah. like the next of kin do not want that job and or to take right. it over. Right. I did not know that's how they, that's how. I don't know if it still is, but I know like someone told me about that back in, back in the day. And I, but I think it's still on that because there's only so many, they're only like, but then Uber comes in and does disrupts the whole thing. So who knows why a lot of taxi guys are really upset. Annoyed. Yeah, because they had to like, because you can't get it. You can't. Not just anyone can drive a taxi. You have to be. You have to have a medallion. But now Uber's stepping in, and it's like anyone can yeah. drive an Uber. So it, it kind of upsets the cor- the the cart. So I don't know if that fucked up the, that system, or if it already had already been out of, out of uh, place by then. But it's just one of those things that always made me go, "What a weird thing." It makes sense because you don't want that way. You're not flooding the streets with too many. Exactly, but it also then it says anything time you hear with that, it's like well, there's 
you know, that's got to be just like a system rife with corruption. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Corruption and nepotism and all the other, all the other isms. All the good things. Any other uh, any other thoughts on this movie? Um, okay, who remind me? Okay, I I suck at names. You can ask Lauren because we're always literally playing this game at work, but we're trying to figure out who the actor is or the artist. But by me describing what they look like, <laughs> it's like charades, um, or not charades, whatever the other game is. But okay, so one of his taxi buddies. That has like the that's going bald. That's Peter Boyle. What was he in again? Uh, Peter Boyle, you wouldn't know. He was on a bunch of TV shows. He the thing I always remember him from as a kid was he was on um, uh, a Dream Team, the Dream Team, that Michael uh, Keaton movie, and Christopher Lloyd's in it, where they're all like in a mental institution and they go on a field trip to New York City. Got it. Okay. That was what I always thought of, but he was also like on a big TV show. I'm trying to remember uh, uh, what he's, he's best known. He was on Everyone Loves Raymond. That's it, the dad. Yeah, that's why. Okay, so that's how I know. I'm like, he looks like the guy from the show, but 30 years earlier and not with white hair or gray yeah. hair or whatever he had back then. No. But he still has that amazing, like, it looks, he looks like Krusty the Clown. He's got that amazing, perfectly bald. It's- is it so it's almost like he did it like that on purpose but but you got I, I, it's just such a dated look to that i'm like as someone who is follically challenged it's like man that takes confidence to grow like the side <laughs> hair out long it's like yeah just be like, Fuck it. it's like yeah i still got hair it's on the sides in the back but i got it it's like wow that's that's a that's a, that's a <laughs> he very, held on to that he held on to it and still is apparently yeah, it's like a crown. It's a crown mullet. It's a weird. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. I just keep it all short, and it kind of blends in as less less than bald and more. I was blessed with a with an appropriately shaped house, though. Head house head. There's there's some people with bald heads that their head shape. No, I like to think if you're meant to be bald, you you know, genetics blessed you with the right shape for it. There you go. You got a beautifully shaped head, Jerry. Oh, thanks. It almost got hit by a coconut today. <laughs> what? You're a liar. I'm not kidding. I uh, my son told me this before we left for the Caymans. My son said because he was trying to, he was worried that it was unsafe, right? Because I told him some stories. I was in Trinidad years ago and mm-hmm. saw some stuff that was unsavory, uh, and so he was looking it up and he realized, oh, actually, the Caymans is you know pretty safe compared to a lot, a lot of uh, you know tropical destinations. Right. Um, and so, and he said, actually, like the mo- the number one cause of unnatural death here is coconuts falling from trees. And he's like, that's how safe it is. Like, that's you're more oh, likely like, you're more likely to be killed by a coconut death. hitting you on the head than right. somebody like mugging you and and hurting you Got in that way. It. You know. And I was like, that's great fun fact. Literally walking around at, like looking at like locations today, and all of a sudden this thing whizzes like brushes by my face. Shut. And I looked down, and it says coconut. I was like, "Fuck!" It almost, it, you know, it almost beat me. Did and that I pick, hit you in the head. I picked it up. It's like this thing is fucking heavy. Yeah, that would have you done are some serious. That did some damage. Yeah, coconuts are. It's not like the little brown coconuts that we be get in the grocery store. It's like the big old green. You gotta chop it up first to get to it. So it's no, huge. I, I posted a photo. So. Uh, oh, I gotta, I gotta see that. I'm gonna done look that. that. Damn. God, yeah, so God. the coconut things are real. Watch if you're walking near the palm trees. I'm just saying one eye up. 
It's just like. Yeah, just don't, just be on. Just, right. just be ready. Just don't walk. If someone was like, walk beside, don't walk underneath coconut trees, walk beside them. It's like that right. from now Next on. Because they, 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 they tend to fall, you know, they tend to fall straight down. They don't usually get caught yeah. in the wind and blow away. So it's like, that's good to know now. I will be very careful walking around that's under so coconut funny trees. funny because uh, in Texas, they have um, palms and they have um, palms that grow dates on it. So you'll have like the date shell thing. And where I was staying, they'd have the palm next to the pool. So you'd be swimming in the pool and all you hear is plop, plop, plop. You're looking up, it's these dates that are like, whizzing down so fast and one time it almost got me in the head too actually but i think about it because i was looking at what what it was and then another one just dropped right next to me i've never seen the day can you just can you peel you have to dry them out or can you peel them after that just peel, yeah they just you could just open them up and it's like i smelt it and i taste it like oh this is an actual date. you eat it right away yeah I, oh I, I would love that i did I definitely did. It tastes great. I I think they must grow dates here too. Someone gave me like a fresh date today. I was like, I've never had a date like this before. Oh my God. I can't wait to get out of here. So soon. You're going to be out so soon. All right. Any, any final thoughts on taxi driver? Um, I'm so glad that I watched it. Now I could finally say, like, if anybody asks, I'm like, oh yeah, totally watch. Like, like, like a savant, like a movie, like. I totally watch all the movies and I know all the cool movies. The top 100 Hollywood films. <laughs> nice. Take it off. But De Niro, I mean, he's, he's timeless to me, to be honest. He kills everything, everything that he's in. Um, and I, I really enjoy watching him. Did you actually watch that last film that they did, that they did last year? Irishman? Is that what it was called? The one that was like five hours long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I went, it was before uh, COVID hit, so I actually went to see it at uh, at the TIFF um, Lighthouse. Ah. Uh, uh, because I was I just, well, I was, I was there, I was doing in post on a series down mm-hmm. the street, and the timing worked out where I was like, well, I'm already home, le- I'm already too late to get home in time to put the kids to bed. It's like, eh. I'm going to check it out. And I, I, I'm glad that I, because I'm sure if I'd watched it at home, it's on Netflix, where it was also released. I would have probably just like broken it up and watched it in chunks. Yeah. So there's something nice about kind of being forced to sit and watch it for the whole stretch. And I dug it. Like it, it worked. I can see people, some people complain that it was a bit long or this and that, but I think I also just went in going, cause it's like three and a half hours, I think. It's long. And my brain just went, you're sitting here for a very long time. Sip your water slowly. Um, <laughs> and just, and so I almost like, tricked my brain to think it was gonna be way longer than it ended up being. So that way when it was done, I was like, oh, that wasn't so bad. But even it was just like, it, it, you know, I was in a bit of a trance by it. So I really, yeah. I dug it. I really liked it. You're good. I was like, oof, I need a break from this one. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think something like that, there's nothing wrong with going, let's treat this like a mini series. Watch it yeah, over three. Yeah, I'll break it up. Watch it over three nights. Cause it's not like the kind of movie you can't like come and and, and back to, but it was just, I like that I forced myself to, I'm sure when I revisit it, that's how I will watch it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if anybody else you interview will bring that one up. <laughs> and then you'll have to sit through it again. People do that. You, you'd be surprised. So many, well, you brought up Gone with the Wind. It's like, it's a fucking four hour movie. <laughs> you know what? And I didn't know that until I checked after. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I could <laughs> Let me not do that. <laughs> yeah, do there's that. a lot of people that people, that, well, that, but that's a common theme on this podcast. People are like, here's my list of, 
long ass movies that I haven't gotten around to because I just can't buy. That's be probably bothered. why, because who has like four hours to watch a movie? But it's a good excuse for me to either revisit one or to watch it for the first time because it's it's like oh I'm doing it for a reason. It's not just it's work. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. It works <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad we were able to do this while you we were while you we were. Thanks for having me. And and if the quarantine ever lifts, when we get back, we uh, I, I do have like a little like it's not like super rich man's screening room, but I got a, a, a pretty nice setup at my place that I usually yeah. do this that I usually do this in. Oh. So uh, hopefully we can do that at some point as yeah. well. Jeremy got money. No, it's just it's it's like a more like a garage that I turned into like my little oh, that's so cool. screening room. Yeah. Oh, that's so dope. Well, I, I'm definitely down because as you see, I have a list, and that's just some of them. There's a lot of movies that I have not seen. So. All right, we'll do it. We'll we'll pick a spot. We'll, we'll make an afternoon out of Gone with the Wind. I'll make some chili. <laughs> oh yes. We, we can watch some movies about like outdated racism. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of those. As, as opposed to current racism. Of course. <laughs> Not this new age stuff. Yeah. Honey, you want the old shit. Exactly. OG racism. <laughs> oh, gee. Then you have to go back further than this. This is like the, this is, this is not the OG racism. OG racism goes back to like the beginning. Like, come on. Like Sydney Poitier, like back then kind of movie study. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Yes, thank and th- you. And thanks for doing this. Fun, of course. Let's all go to the Thanks for joining me for Taxi Driver. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter at Lon Jeremy and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.